and welcome to Cult Movie Cult, where we watch and discuss the horrific, the obscure, and the flat-out strange from the other side of cinema. I'm Mark Dickerson. And I'm Jeremy Fink, and this is the fourth and final episode in our series 8-Bit at Blockbuster, 90s video game movie adaptations. Today we'll be talking about Mortal Kombat from 1995. fantasy martial arts action film that's a lot directed by paul ws anderson not to be confused with paul thomas anderson or wes it is anderson. based on the video or wes anderson <laughs> yes he is he is the third anderson um although i would be curious to see this film directed by either of those other directors <laughs> that'd be great that'd be interesting yeah. uh, it's it's based on the video game franchise of the same name and is the first installment in the mortal Kombat film series mm-hmm. starring lyndon ashby Kari Hiroyuki Tagawa, Robin Shu, Bridget Wilson, Talisa Soto, and Christopher Lambert, the film follows a group of heroes who participate in the eponymous Mortal Kombat tournament to protect Earth from being conquered by malevolent forces. And that's combat with a K, don't forget. Yes, <laughs> definitely need to <laughs> it's very make important. that distinction. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, actually, they had to do that to trademark the name. I, I read that. I, I didn't know that until recently, until um, really? doing some research, yeah, for this episode. <laughs> it it kind of seems like it made it way cooler. Yeah, now. didn't it? Uh, like, I always wondered yeah. that. I'm like, because it, it makes it, obviously, it makes it stand out a lot more. Um, but that was why they did it. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so, yeah, let's, Mortal Kombat from 1995. Um, let's, I'm excited to talk mm-hmm. about this one. Did, so, I want to start with the, your familiarity with uh, both the game and the film, as we've done with the other, mm-hmm. the other movies so far. Yeah, so in terms of, uh, kind of, well, kind of for both, honestly. Like, similar similar to some of the other films, um, I'd say similar level to maybe Street Fighter, mm-hmm. where it's like, I know of the game in the film. Because but, how can you not, and, really? Yeah. yeah, how can you not? But but never engaged in a serious way. Mm-hmm. They, were, they were always kind of there, right. but but never, uh, never something I was necessarily, I wasn't Drawn really playing to. the games yeah. religiously, right, you know. Right, right. Um, you know, and same thing with the film. It's possible I saw this when I was really little, although I don't think so. Mm-hmm. I don't. I don't think I did. A little more harder, um, harder edge than uh, Street Fighter. Yeah. Well, well, this was PG thirteen. PG thirteen. Yeah. And I, I think which which is a big distinction, right? This is our first PG thirteen. Um, you know what? Street Fighter it... might have been as well. I think. Yeah, I think Street Fighter was as well. Um, well, this this was the first one to use its PG thirteen. Yeah, this one felt a little bit more like a PG thirteen for sure. Yeah, and it kind of so what I thought was cool just to kind of dig right in was they kind of right away tell you that that's what they're going to do. Mm-hmm. Like within within the first five minutes, we have like a pretty violent fight sequence, mm-hmm. 
uh, I believe, resulting in someone's death, right? Yeah, we're um, early on. Yeah. So we'll get into that. I, I just wanted to mention. Mm -hmm. um, so you you said you were like somewhat familiar as, as far as you knew what Mortal Kombat was, because again, how could mm -hmm. you not? Um, so I I just wanted to say off the bat that I was this was definitely a movie uh, and a game series that that I'm very familiar with. I loved this movie as a kid, and I did play the games when I was younger. Um, you know, when Dave was on um, in the Street Fighter episode, we talked about a little bit about how we had the Sega Genesis version of the game of Mortal Kombat that had the blood in it, you know, because the Super mm -hmm. Nintendo one didn't have that. Um, so, yeah, I was definitely a fan of the games, and I saw this movie when I was younger and loved it so much. Me and my friends would actually reenact fight scenes from the movie <laughs> on my trampoline. We had a, yeah, we had a, a trampoline in my backyard, and my friends would get together, and we'd we put the soundtrack on in the background. We had like a stereo that we were, you know, blasting the theme song. We were just would act out like different fight scenes between characters on the trampoline and everything. So this is definitely like it's going to be hard to kind of distance myself from all of that, I guess, uh, because I am like super familiar with this one. Um, but I am happy to say that I feel like this movie does hold up. You know, I, I felt like it's still uh, held up as an entertaining movie, at least, you know, when I even mm -hmm. now when I watch it. Um, Mm -hmm. And I'm sorry, but that first Mortal Kombat, that first scream, yeah, yeah, you know, it's it's uh -huh. just so badass. It's like, uh, you yeah. know, and like the fire shooting out with that dragon symbol in the very beginning. It's just, mm -hmm. it just gets you pumped. Like, I don't know how else to say it. Like, just like an adrenaline yeah. kind of thing. It's just uh, something about it, especially when I was a kid and, you know, like we had the, the trampoline and we would just be having these epic fights on there, you know. So it, it calls to mind <laughs> all of that stuff for me. So, um, but again, yeah. I think this movie does hold up in a lot of ways um yes it's a little cheesy yes it's a little 90s yeah um, and maybe more so than the other movies we talked about because this was you know smack dab right it was 1995 right in the middle of the decade so um yeah. this one is pretty 90s but i mean mortal Kombat as a game series was was pretty you know cutting edge and as we talked about in pretty 90s of its time so uh, it does make sense um and again, I've mentioned this before, but I think compared to the other films we've talked about so far in the series, uh, this one, out of all of them, I'd say is, is um, probably the most, most faithful, the most successful in its adaptation, at least. Um, this one is also probably the most generally well-regarded out of all of them, is actually being like a mostly successful uh, attempt at adapting mm -hmm. a, a video game. That yeah. goes for any video game. Um, this is kind of just held up as sort of like, hey, you know, they did an okay job, you know, like they, they didn't, they didn't completely mess it up. Mm -hmm. You know, again, there are things about it that maybe are not perfect or whatever. Uh, that's also part of why we talk about on, on this show, because it's a campy cult film as well. So, um, mm -hmm. but yeah, what are, what are your just, you know, I'm just curious to hear your general impressions, Jeremy, of the film, what you thought of it. Yeah. So I thought, especially in, in the scope of this series, you could definitely tell that, uh, a little more careful consideration yeah. and, uh, kind of just like artistic prowess was put into this one. Mm -hmm. You know, like like some of the shots as just going through this were really, really beautiful, mm -hmm. uh, which is one thing I need to note. Like, yeah, there was, it's a good there was looking one movie, shot. for sure. Yeah, it's like it's a really pretty movie, yeah. uh, which isn't necessarily what you expect from a kind of grimy video game-inspired world. Mm -hmm. um, but th this was pretty. Like, the cinematography was gorgeous. The set design was beautiful. Yeah. Um, but beyond that, like... What was so fun about this one for me com uh, compared to the others, not that the goal is to compare it to the others, but we're, we're approaching no. it as kind of a body yeah, of, of works here. Mm -hmm. So in a way it is, um, is that this one really understood what it was about, yeah. which was awesome fight scenes. <laughs> exactly. Like yeah, the, exactly. Sto the story, the story was there and it was also 
like you know i mean a little far-fetched like like a lot of these kind of video game Mm -hmm. stories are but at least we kind of understood the outline of the story Mm -hmm. like it's like if you win the tournament you save the tournament right (laughs) yeah it's a tournament it's pretty simple Mm -hmm. so so there wasn't you know i I wasn't finding myself confused really it's pretty straightforward too much for the most part it's pretty straightforward and and that i think the fact that they made it simple and straightforward Mm -hmm allowed for it to be a really fun thing because it was just there were like the fight scenes in this movie are awesome yeah some great they're so fun they're they're like explosive Mm -hmm. uh you could definitely tell that uh the director or somebody involved in the production whether it be the the, you know probably the fight coordinator Mm -hmm. or someone like that that they were definitely watching like probably old bruce lee movies (laughs) and things like that because uh, the way it was shot yeah i was gonna mention enter the dragon influence for sure yeah yeah. Yeah. The, the 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 way the fight scenes are shot, and something we've talked about in the past, is they weren't kind of overcut. Mm-hmm. Like you, you really got to see the people fight, yeah. which is, a, I guess, more of a testament to the fact that either either they just hid stunt doubles really well, or the actors that they hired mm-hmm. for this were actually very capable of doing well, the the moves. That was part of it. Actually, I did look into this mm-hmm. a little bit. Well, just in the general research of the film, mm-hmm. it did come up. So, um, what you're mentioning is actually true. So. Paul W.S. Anderson, who directed this film, he had never really directed, uh, well, actually, he didn't direct much before this. I think it was only one film he directed uh, Mm -hmm. before this, and then he had never directed anything with action or special effects or anything like that. So he really was not, you know, he wasn't sure how to even approach these kinds of things. And apparently Mm -hmm. he would shoot the, when he started shooting the uh, martial arts scenes, like the fight scenes, he would shoot it as just one master shot you know, sort of like a wide master <laughs> shot. And he would just let the, the fight play out. And then he would do another kind of like static shot and, be, and he would go, all right, let's do it again. And I, I think at some point, I think it was one of the main actors, the one who played Liu Kang actually, I think pulled him aside and kind of said, hey, uh, we can shoot this in close-ups and we can, you know, we can make it a lot more kinetic and we can hide things, you know. And also for the actors, I think it was just really uh, exhausting to be doing these, these yeah, intense fight over scenes and over, over again. and over. And also, yeah. like you, uh, you were asking about if the actors themselves were actually doing a lot of the fight scenes, and apparently they were. Um, there were obviously were stunt people involved as well. But um, mm-hmm. the actors, yeah, I think they, they wanted to really take these roles on and, and, and take the, the fight scenes head on. Um, and even though a lot of them didn't really have martial arts experience, they... They did try to um, appear in as many shots as they could, which did result in some injuries and, and things like that. But um, yeah. yeah, so it was a combination of those things, I think. But I think that's what makes those, the fight scenes kind of work. And um, mm-hmm. and I think what's, you know, and, and obviously compared to something like Street Fighter or even Double Dragon, I think this probably has more yeah. like hand-to-hand combat in it and stuff like oh, that. Oh, way more, yeah. way more for sure. So yeah. Um, uh, I just want to give a little bit of history about the, or just a little bit of origins, I guess, about Mortal Kombat, about the game and everything. So, uh, obviously, it was a fighting game uh, created by Ed Boon and John Tobias, um, and it was eventually acquired by Midway Games. Midway is is I was looking into them a little bit. They're actually very, um, I didn't, I was very surprised. They've been around since like the '50s, um, and they were involved with, okay. yeah, they were involved with a lot of classic arcade games, and I think pinball games and things like that and so they they ended up uh, acquiring this this new property and you know obviously like it was a smash it was a smash hit when it came out um in the arcades and 
Um, I think Midway is now defunct, actually. But you know, for a while there, it's like they were doing a lot of a lot of different things. And mm-hmm. um, so yeah, this was like a huge game when it came out. Oh yeah, Midway. I remember Midway. Now that I'm yeah, I'm sure you would remember. Like, oh yeah, I think they did like Midway, of course, yeah, like yeah. Rampage and a lot of different, a lot of like really classic arcade games and stuff like that. Yeah, um, yeah. So it's kind of cool that they, you know, they were going with the times, I guess, and they acquired this this very uh, cutting edge '90s property. Uh, when it came out, mm-hmm. um, and so uh, the game Mortal Kombat is known for its use of digitized graphics, uh, which we talked about a little bit in the Street Fighter episode, because they ended up making a game uh, that was uh, actually very similar to Mortal Kombat, ironically, uh, in that it did use uh, digitized versions of the actors, like motion capture, um, in the game. Um, so it was created by actual actors who were on set. Um, performing these different stunts, these different moves, and everything was motion captured and was brought into the video game. So, um, and the other thing that it's, this game series is known for is it's over-the-top blood and violence. So mm-hmm. it's a little, uh, you know, a little different than Street Fighter. Street Fighter is more known for its, I guess, tight controls. It's it's kind of cartoony, more animated quality. Um, and Mortal Kombat's always been known for its over-the-top realism, <laughs> at least in terms of gore and, and, and violence and all of that. Um, mm-hmm. So uh, I think that did carry over to the movie. Maybe not quite as much as, as many had hoped, uh, especially if they were kids in the 90s, maybe because uh, they were going for that coveted PG-13 rating. Uh, yeah. So it was really not... I mean, honestly, I was, I was a little surprised about how little violence is in the movie. Um, even though there is a lot mm-hmm. of fighting, there's not much um, in the way of like blood or, or gore or anything like that. Um, yeah. Not too much, anyway. Although it, it did, it did feel more violent to me than the other. Oh, movies for sure, did. yeah. I As think, it which should. I think is, is kind yeah. of more just, yeah, kind of how it was done. Mm-hmm. Like when, like they were like hitting and kicking each other and stuff. Like it kind, of, it really felt like they were doing that, mm-hmm. even if you're not seeing like blood spraying yeah, out. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Like it still, it still feels like kind of a, mm-hmm. I don't know, a, a more, a more gritty, more impactful form of yeah, fighting sure. than we've we've seen previously. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it has a darker tone. I mean, I guess it, mm-hmm. not since we've seen since the Mario Brothers movie, oddly enough. Um, yeah, it yeah. has like a definitely like a grittier t- uh, tone to it. And it, you know, again, mm-hmm. it, it makes sense for this to be dark. Um, and again, I think that's part of why uh, this movie kind of got it right uh, in a lot of ways with its adaptation. Yep. Um, so it was directed by, as we mentioned, Paul W. S. Anderson. Uh, so he made a couple pretty well-regarded films, uh, mostly looking at this film, Mortal Kombat, and Event Horizon. Uh, actually, have you seen that one, Jeremy? Event Horizon. I've not. Okay. No. Yeah, it's it's um it's interesting. It's a very interesting film. I would def- I would say I think you would get a kick out of it. Actually, I think you should check it out. Mm-hmm. It's it's sort of campy, but also just really surreal and weird. And the acting is like really over the top. And it's it's sort of like a sci-fi movie set on a, a spaceship. But um yeah, it's uh, mm-hmm. you know this movie and that one I, I think are both like you know. Films that maybe not great films, but films that uh, people listening to this show should definitely check out. Um, mm-hmm. And then he directed a lot of, uh, you know, I'd say not so good films, maybe. Uh, so it's a bit of a mixed bag. You know, so it, another video game series actually he took over was the Resident Evil series, uh, was a PlayStation game. Mm-hmm. And he's made all of those movies, I think, up until the most recent one that came out. Yeah. But, um, which, which, funny enough, I know it's not what we're talking about, but I remember. When I was younger, because uh, Resident Evil came out mm-hmm. in 2002, so yeah, I was still was, very much a kid. Right. And I remember seeing trailers for that commercial, mm-hmm. and I thought it was the scariest looking thing <laughs> that anybody had ever made. Yeah. Well, it's funny because the game was, series is known for like a yeah, it's like a horror zombie 
uh, series, yeah. but the movie is it, the, all the movies are pretty much over the top action movies, which is interesting direction they went. Yeah. But uh, so he's yeah he's also known for those movies, which also star his his wife, um, which her name is escaping me now. Have to Mila uh, Mila Jovovich. Yes. yes, of course from uh, Fifth Element and some good movies there. Um, so yeah, um, I mean if you're looking for like you know popcorn mindless action movies, uh, there you could do worse than those ones. Um, but anyway, mm-hmm. so back to uh, who is behind the scenes here. So we no huge names in the cast, I would say. Um, but I think everyone in the movie does a pretty good job embodying these characters. Um, we have Christopher Lambert as Lord Raiden. Uh, he's known for Highlander, which I still have not seen. And I know that I probably should. Mm-hmm. A lot of people tell me I should see that movie. Uh, with, uh, I know Sean Connery's in that. and It's a, it's a pretty big one. I, th- I think they made a TV series out of it as well. Uh, Bridget Wilson uh, Sampras is Sonya Blade, and she's been in some. I remember her from a lot of '90s films like Billy Madison. She's a, she's in that one. I was gonna say Billy Madison. Yeah, that's, that's the one that, the one that sticks out. Um, yeah. And um, we have Robin Shu, I believe it's pronounced, who plays Liu Kang. Um, and I was just saying to Jeremy how he was. I remember him from uh, Beverly Hills Ninja, around the same time. So you know, some working actors, we'll say. Um, and the actor. The older actor who plays uh, Shang Tsung, Kerry uh, Hiroki Tagawa, he, uh, yeah, I think he's he has a lot of cred with martial arts films and things like that, and he's very good in this. I mean, he's like, he's iconic as this uh, as Shang Tsung, the villain of the movie. Your soul is mm-hmm. mine. You know, he's, he has some great <laughs> great lines. Um, and Lyndon Ashby, I thought was really good as Johnny Cage, who's sort of like the comic relief mm-hmm. character. And those yeah. are like. I would say the main characters of the film, and I, I would say they're all you know fairly likable actors um, in these main roles. Yeah, uh, you know, and I think everyone does their part, and and uh, especially I thought they did a good job casting because you know this is they're, they're essentially bringing us into this world, uh, not only the film, but they are the ones who are, arrive at this island tournament, and we sort of see what's happening through those characters. So I thought they they did a good job, uh, both with the characters they picked to to lead that that role and also the actors they picked as well. I thought they did a pretty good job. Um, and they also had a lot of, uh, we, we mentioned stunts earlier. They had a lot of stunts and fight coordinators and, and people like that uh, portraying a lot of the masked ninja characters. So the, the most notable being Sub-Zero, the blue one, <laughs> and Rep, I'm sorry, and Scorpion, the, the yellow one, who yells, get over here. Um, <laughs> yeah, so they, they had um, actual like stunt people playing these roles, and um, I think that allowed them to make the fight scenes a little bit more elaborate and things like that. Added a lot of authenticity to to the roles and, and to the fight scenes. Um, they, I think that's what you mean when you say, Jeremy, like you, it seemed a little bit more impactful or a little more uh, believable, yeah. I guess, the action in this mm-hmm. movie. I think that's part of it the just, reason it, why. I think a lot of it just goes back to, to really seeing it happening on screen. Yeah. You know, it's like, like, like it's, it's when, when you're able to use people who know how to do the thing, yeah. it just feels so grounded, even even in, you know, a very fantastical mm-hmm. kind of story like this, when you're, you're just you're not cutting a lot, mm-hmm. when you're really just letting it play out in front of you. It's it's a, it's a special thing. It's yeah. fun to watch because, you know, it's, it's like watching a professional athlete. You know, it's like it's like watching LeBron James dunk a basketball. <laughs> like you yeah. can just see you can just you see just it from on it. screen. You can feel it. Yeah. Yeah. You can feel that it's impressive, mm-hmm. and so it's like even though this is a movie that's kind of aimed at maybe like teenagers, yeah. and it has this really fantastical concept and everything, is like the, the the way they let it just happen and the people they hired mm-hmm. did a good job where you can just kind of feel through the screen like oh they're really doing this thing right. like they're really going all out you know it makes a difference I think so for sure yeah 
Um, and mm-hmm. now to get into the story a bit of, <laughs> of Mortal Kombat, I mean, unlike the other films in the series that we've that we talked about, uh, this one does not start off with a burst of exposition in the beginning. Um, no. It, uh, so it sets up the story much more gradually, which is a welcome change, I thought. Um, and again, the story is basically, it's a tournament, right? Um, which makes mm-hmm. sense because that's what the game was. And that's, yeah, it's a, it's a fighting tournament. <laughs> um, you know, whereas Street Fighter is kind of, they kind of went all, all over the place with it where they, you know, they could have grounded it a little bit more um, if they had maybe made it more like a tournament or something like that. But regardless, uh, so this one, mm-hmm. Mortal Kombat, is about a tournament that takes place every certain amount of years. And it's to keep Earthrealm from being, I guess, taken over by this nether region, uh, rolled over by mm-hmm. Shang Tsung and with his guardian, I guess, uh, Goro with the four limbs. Um, so, yeah, it's, it's a crazy story. But again, it's grounded with yeah. it just being a fighting tournament and being about this yeah, it's a fighting hand tournament. in hand, yeah. yeah, hand to hand combat sort of. So, um, yeah. And uh, we mentioned Bruce Lee, Enter, Enter the Dragon. There's definitely a lot of, I would say, like an allusion to that at least or inspiration mm-hmm. from that film uh, from the early mm-hmm. 70s. Um, and again, a lot of characters, much like Street Fighter, uh, mm-hmm. most of which I feel like were portrayed rather faithfully. Uh, to what people remembered from the original games. And unlike, mm-hmm. say, Street Fighter movie um, that we talked about previously, while there are plenty of characters from the game in the movie, to me, they don't feel as shoehorned in. Like, they don't feel like they're just cramming a bunch of characters in, if that makes sense, just to do it. You know, just to say, mm-hmm. hey, we got to get this character. In. You know, it feels like each character has a purpose, and it feels like each one gets at least one scene or one moment to shine, you know, to kind of stand out. Um, and, mm-hmm. and do their things, so, you know, from that people maybe remember from the game. Um, mm-hmm. So it feels a little bit more organic in that way, I guess. Did you feel that way mm-hmm. when you watched it? More so than like the Street uh, Fighter movie or, or even the Super Mario. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. Yeah, no, no, for sure, for sure. I agree. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah I don't know. It, it, it does feel like it, it's kind of pulling more from that. It kind of mm. fits in just just a little bit better yeah. than yeah. yeah. Um, it it, it understood it understood its source material. It felt like the people who were making it really like mm. had an understanding of the source material. Yeah, for sure. Where, yeah. And again, we'll, we'll talk about it in a little bit. But Ed Boon and John Tobias, um, who created the, the first video game Mortal Kombat, were actually on set and were helping out and, and giving advice mm-hmm. and, and there to at least consult with, which was a good thing. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, Jeremy, I wanted to ask you: Were there any scenes or any? Uh, you know, we talked about fighting. Were there any fight scenes? I guess that's stood out to you as being really like something that you enjoyed or yeah so, so there are a couple of things and they were it was kind of funny but like it was kind of playful so there was the one moment where um cage the actor oh johnny um, cage yeah johnny cage johnny cage where we just see him like walking through the woods mm-hmm. and then all of a sudden he's just kind of challenged to a fight <laughs> like there's like I, I like there was no context yeah. it was just like it almost reminded me of uh I don't know if you if you watched Family Guy back in the day. Oh yeah, I um, or continue to, but like there would be the things where Peter on Family Guy would just have to fight a chicken, <laughs> yeah. and there'd be no there'd be no prior context. <laughs> He'd just be walking around, and all of a sudden this chicken just challenges him to a fight. <laughs> it's kind of and, like that. that's funny. And so he's just walking through the woods, and then just gets challenged to a fight, yeah. and they have just this amazing <laughs> sprawling yeah, fight, oh which I thought was so cool. It's alternate <laughs> it was so fun. dimensions, and yeah, it's uh, yeah alternate dimensions. Yeah. They're like it yeah, seems that, like... so that just. <laughs> Yeah. It seems like the rules are a little vague, I guess, for the tournament. It's kind of like... Yeah. yeah. Well, what I loved about that sequence, though, is like you could easily just take that out of the film. 
Oh, for sure. Like, yeah. you know what I mean? Cause it, yeah. And just and it would just be an amazingly fun, absurdist fight yeah. sequence to watch. So I really like that. Another Johnny Cage moment I actually really liked was when he was going to fight Goro, the, the four-armed yeah. beast. And they're building up to be this big, intense thing. And then he just drops down and just kicks him yeah. square in the nuts. Because the, the movie hadn't been playing jokes like that. Mm-hmm. Like, there were little jokes here and there in the movie. But a lot of them were the kind of jokes that you normally see in an action movie. Those are $500 you know, sunglasses, like, asshole. Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. And also, the, um, and then all, the nut crunch is actually an actual move from the game. That's a Johnny Cage that is an actual, move okay. from the video game. Interesting. Yep. So that was not only yeah. Yeah, like funny in the moment, but also uh, yeah, a mm-hmm. callback to the game. So. Um, yeah yeah i agree i think that scene is really good um while it's mm-hmm. not maybe the fight that a lot of people hope for with goro you know this big yeah. monstrous creature uh-huh. um yeah i think it's just like you know it's just a fun scene where he's climbing yeah. climbing a mountain that was one thing i was going to bring up later but i'll bring it up now i kind of like how this movie almost is it, it almost has no logic to it like i feel like maybe it's a time period because now i feel like mm-hmm people always want answers to everything and there's like every piece of lore must be explained. And, you know, this is maybe just my impression of, of more modern films, but I think in the, like at the time <laughs> in the nineties, it was kind of like, do whatever you want. Like they're fighting each other. And then all of a sudden they're on top of this, this mountain, like Johnny Cage is yeah. just like climbing this mountain. It's like two seconds later, he's at the top. They're on the edge of this cliff. And it's like, you don't even question it. There's like this vortex swirling, no, you know, yeah. beneath them. And it's almost like, yeah, okay. Yeah. No, like, <laughs> at least to me it's just like okay i kind of like that they just did yeah. stuff like that back then um well it, it feels like it goes back to the idea that this is a really a movie about the fighting and yeah. not like like that's the number one priority fighting so they're came all there right exactly yeah fighting came first so it's like well what's if, if it's more exciting to have the fight on the top of the mountain yeah. than it is on the ground but you know what and they're just gonna you, put it on top of the mountain you remember it it's memorable um you do and i feel that way with yeah. a lot of the scenes like again the the fight scene between Johnny Cage and Scorpion is like, I think it's one of the most iconic parts of it. And you could completely mm-hmm. cut that out. Like you said, it wouldn't affect anything in the story or anything, but mm-hmm. um, yeah, it's just so much fun to watch. And it's such a huge set piece. And mm-hmm. um, again, it's almost inexplicable. Like he gets pulled into this alternate universe. I mean, also like, or parallel universe, whatever it is, but, but even the beginning part you mentioned, Jeremy, where he's walking through these like endless woods and there's like these, really tall trees and just really cool looking. It's like all these repeated like trees and everything. And then they have that fight scene and then it it goes into this whole other dimension with these like wooden platforms and, and things like that. And it's just very unique looking. Um, There's like, you know, Mm -hmm. spider webs everywhere. And um, I was reading about, so there's a couple of fight scenes in the movie that were actually added on after test audiences viewed the, the first cut of the film. Oh, interesting. And that, so the fight between Johnny Cage and Scorpion was originally just the scene in the woods. And then it ended. Interesting. And you can kind of still tell if you're watching closely because right before he gets, uh, Johnny Cage gets pulled into the portal. It almost looks like, you know, it's, it really looks added on, I guess you could say. Um, yeah. and, it, it, and it was, um, they added that whole part after that in the parallel dimension with the platforms and everything. They added that later uh, because the main note that they got from audiences was we want more, we want more fighting. You know, we want more yeah. scenes of people fighting because it's Mortal Kombat. So they went back and they added more to that scene. And also the scene with reptile. Uh, I don't know how familiar, familiar you are with that, uh, Jeremy, but he's sort of like this little green creature thing in the movie. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And yeah. he was just going to be that, like the CGI creature, which again, it was the 90s. The effects maybe don't hold up so well either in some of the parts. Yeah, but I, I don't think they good. were bad, though. No, honestly. they weren't, you know. For, for the 90s? Yeah. Like, like you, can tell it's, you can tell it's clearly CGI, yeah. but at the same time, I'm kind of well, like, 
it, it's not bad. Like, it wasn't I've seen worse for sure. It wasn't overused, you know, like, yeah, I feel like yeah. now it's like, it's so heavily relied upon, but back then they would use it like sparingly, you know, yeah. like if you had to use it. Exactly. So that character was CGI, the reptile character. Um, but I think a lot of the fans and people that saw the movie were sort of disappointed and they're like, okay, where's reptiles like fight scene? Because in the video game, yeah. he, he appears as just as Sub-Zero and Scorpion appear with uh, like sort of like ninja masks. And that's how he looks. Um, only he's the green one. Right. So they went mm -hmm. back and shot, scenes where they they added him in as this character from the games where he appears in his green ninja suit um so mm -hmm. when he pops out of the statue that was all filmed later and he has that fight scene with Liu kang which i think is actually one of the better if not yeah, if not maybe cool like one. the best like actual hand-to-hand -hand, uh combat scene that you see in the movie yeah. um and that music is just like pumping it like that, that 90s techno yeah. going it's it's great um and they yeah. even, i think they even have the announcer from the actual video game before he bursts out of the statue and he goes like he'll actually say reptile like you can hear it almost faintly in the background but it's it's like to someone who grew up playing the games like i hate to say it but it kind of gives me like chills when i see that because it's like it just brings back all these memories you know of the game and then the character appears and it's like you know super fan servicey but i think mm -hmm. i think in a way that was done right and i think it, yeah. it adds so much to the movie because uh, I see. Yeah, really I thought cool. it was cool. I thought it was just cool too. It was like a cool image. Like he just throws him into this yeah. kind of skeletal statue thing, and it just comes to life. I was like, oh, that's really creative. Yeah, like, because originally know, the scene ended there, but then they had him yeah. burst out of there and kind of come come to life. I guess. Um, yeah, I was like, oh, that was that was that was a really unexpected. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> exactly. But um, because like, I'm like, I don't totally understand the rules of this universe, but I get that they're great. I get that they're just nuts. They're nuts. Yeah, like, I, don't, that, I don't know like, if that anyone, kind of thing can happen. Yeah, again, like I feel like back then, like, people just weren't as concerned with the like they knew about the lore or you know they were curious about it, but they didn't you know they weren't beholden to it. It was more like, what's going to make an entertaining movie? You know, um, mm -hmm. at least that's how I thought about it. But um, one thing I did want to ask you about, Jeremy, was. Uh, the tone. How did you feel about this? The tone of this film, at least maybe compared to the others that we've talked about in the series. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I feel like tone-wise, I don't know. Yeah, like I, like I like this one, like because it was a little darker. Mm -hmm. um, I don't know. It, it just it felt it felt in a weird way, almost like more of an adventure movie. Yeah. Because because the images were bigger, you know, for, for lack of a better term, the images, like the way it was photographed, and. Uh, how that kind of carried it, it the tone felt a little bigger and more important mm -hmm. than some of the grander. other films we've seen in the yeah. yeah a little grander like yeah like the the not that the sets were necessarily bigger well, they but all, it felt they are like fighting oh, like, for the fate of the world i guess you know they are yeah they're fighting for the fight of the world <laughs> pretty epic yeah um but yeah i don't know it, it had it had a very kind of cool fun tone but still kind of has uh, that low budget feeling to it doesn't it i mean a little it, bit a little bit of that campiness um which again kind of makes it sets it apart as like a cult film, I think. Um, yeah, although I, it's not low budget, right? This was no, a pretty. No, I mean, I I don't know have the exact number in front of me. I think it was fairly. I mean, yeah, twenty. It's yeah. I've seen. I mean, can't verify this, so don't quote me on it. But I'm seeing twenty million in 1995. Mm -hmm. So I guess I mean yeah. more like the feel. It just kind of feels the feel. Yeah, yeah. Grimier, you know, it feels a little more low budget in a good way to me. Mm -hmm. yeah, um, yeah, a little more homemade. Um, but, um, yeah, in terms of tone, I, I think you have it right that this is certainly a darker tone, which, again, with the source material, mm -hmm. makes sense. Um, although I thought it played it safe, and I thought it played it really smart because the film sort of strikes the right chord by – it sort of plays both fields, right? It's like – it's more in the middle. Like, it's campy, 
but it's not too campy and it's it's serious but not too serious right it's mm-hmm. sort of sort of in the middle which i think was a, a safe way to play it for this um you know because th- there's a lot riding on this of this film when it came out you know we, the films we yeah. talked about so far were all essentially failures i mean street fighter i, I guess mm-hmm. did the best out of all of them uh box office wise but it was still was a was a critical and yeah. an audience it wasn't failure. a hit no it was not not exactly a hit so um, there's a lot riding on this one. I think they were trying to maybe play it a little more safe in that regard, but I think it ended up working out, um, the, the sort of tone they struck in the middle there. Um, mm-hmm. Because you don't want to be too jokey and loose with source material for the big fans, right? But you also mm-hmm. don't want to take it... Like, like you, you also don't want to take it too, you know, too seriously at the same time. So, um, And I think this was exemplified by the character of Lord Raiden in the film, uh, again, played mm-hmm. by Christopher Lambert, because he's this powerful sorcerer you know who has who has this mm-hmm. very serious gravelly voice um yet he's always cracking jokes and he's always like yeah. chuckling to himself and he's just sort of like light-hearted in, in a weird way but that, that was a good representation i thought of the tone of the film mm-hmm. um so yeah, yeah i think i think it's yeah, they he was a fun character yeah and i think he yeah. played it differently than they even thought he would like originally yeah. i think they wanted him just to be like the very gravelly serious guy but i think he yeah um, i think he added a little hu- more humor and lightness into it uh which i thought well, i worked. think there's also there's a level of absurdity mm-hmm. with his character like you see that guy on screen and yeah. you're like it's serious but it's kind of funny and i think he got i think he <laughs> got that and everything yeah yeah like like i think he understood like he probably looked in the mirror and was like if i play this just totally seriously yeah it's gonna it's gonna be awful right but, like if i can build in a little humanity mm-hmm. uh which did make it because you've definitely seen those kind of roles before mm-hmm. just fall flat on their face and be awful and terrible yeah and this one this one was it, i i had no problems with it he was he was kind of a cool mm-hmm. like you know he's yeah. your buddy but he's also your mat like your sensei you know mm-hmm. he's kind of somewhere in between yeah he was hedging his bets <laughs> With how he yeah. played it, for sure. Um, apparently, mm-hmm. he was, the actor was also a, a fan of the of uh, the games. I think the game series in real life. Interesting. So that's interesting. Yeah. Um, the other thing I wanted to ask you about, Jeremy. We talked about the fight scenes. We talked about the tone of the film. Um, we talked a little bit about the special effects. But uh, one thing that you you like to talk about, and I do as well, about these films, and sometimes it even gets forgotten when we talk about these films. But what did you think of the music for this one? I thought the music was a lot a lot of fun. Yeah. Uh, first off, obviously love the just like the, the pumped theme. up. Yeah. Elect- yeah, the theme. It just, you know, <laughs> it's a classic, and yeah, yeah, that 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 was amazing. But I love that. Uh, one thing is, I feel like heavy metal music doesn't like, like it's kind of hard to work heavy metal into movies. Yeah. You know, it's it, like I feel like like you can kind of count on one hand the really really great usage of of heavy metal. And mm-hmm. there were there were there was the one actually the fight scene. Um, where Johnny Cage is, it starts in the woods and then ends up in the kind of netherworld. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's just pure heavy metal the entire time. <laughs> yeah. It's just pounding crazy heavy Which metal. Which is appropriate, right? Yeah, and I thought that was great. Yeah. Um, and then the, the kind of the music cue that I enjoyed the most uh, which was weird because I I'd heard it before and it took me a while. So right at the end of the film when they're all kind of walking through and like everything's kind of resolved <laughs> um, and they're walking through like the lush green valley and everything's great. There's a song playing by yeah. Orbital t- or by Orbital. Yes, Orbital, um, yeah. Called yeah. Halcyon and On and On, uh, mm-hmm. which I, I heard it and I, I was having this moment where I'm like, why do I know this song? Like, where did it come from? And I've, I've been recently writing a script set in a high school so i've been watching a lot of high school movies and i realized that that song was also used at the end of mean girls in a very really? similar way 
Yeah. And kind of, I forgot about that. Okay. Yeah. Kind of in, in the same, like, all right, like the worst is over. Mm -hmm. The sun is coming up. Like everything's going to be good. Uh, which I just thought was really kind of interesting <laughs> when you when you see just it's used in a similar way but in two movies that really could not be more different. Like yeah. you, I cannot think of a movie farther away from Mortal Kombat <laughs> than Mean Girls. Maybe they, except for that they they both start with M. Right. But like you know, after the film was done, I went and listened to that song, yeah. and it's an amazing song. Yeah, like I it's... like I like I, I just added it to a couple playlists. And I'm like, this song is fantastic. <laughs> I did too, actually, when I was looking up some of the music for this film. I'm glad to hear you give Orbital a, a yeah. shout out. I was, Orbital. I was, yeah. I was listening to some Orbital albums. Actually, it was pretty good. Um, like when I was yeah, they're really stuff, experimental. Kind of, kind of on in the background, yeah. Um, yeah. So yeah, I love the. I mean, the soundtrack for this. Like I said, <laughs> we used to blast it from our our stereo and and you know have fights <laughs> to it. So obviously, I'm very familiar with it. But you know, even to this day. Uh, in my 30s, it's like I hear this music and I just get like pumped. And I'm like, yeah, yeah, know, it's like still gets it's like me, ready fight. Yeah, like and that when you hear that yell, I mean, how can you not just love it? So yeah, um, mm -hmm. and that yell, just another little trivia thing. I didn't realize this, but it was actually from a TV commercial for the very first uh, Mortal Kombat game because I watched because oh, I, I was wondering. I was like, where does that come from? And I, I found this. It's on YouTube. You can find it. It's just a. a the commercial is is uh, these kids like running through the street just screaming Mortal Kombat, and then eventually like halfway through the commercial you hear that scream or that yell, and it's just like it almost it does again gives you chills. It's like because it, that's been used so many times now, um, and it, yeah, is, yeah, yeah, especially <laughs> in the song. So that's where that comes from, though. It, um, it's very it, it's kind of cool though if you think about it, like from a a musical history perspective you know, a historical perspective from where music was at at that time, because that was very of the moment. This yeah. idea like, like, like of sampling and working in things that aren't exactly singing or rapping. They're kind of just sound bites. It's like that samples. Kind of, uh, yeah. There's a lot of samples yeah, like, from the like, game in the, in the main theme too. Like, like the one thing, the, the, the song that comes to my mind is, uh, although I think it was a few years later, uh, Frontier Psychiatrist by Avalanches, mm -hmm. uh, which, which is a great song, but kind of that thing where it's like pulling clips that maybe they're from movies or, or talking and kind of just putting them in with something heavily electronic. Yeah. Um, which is, so, so that was kind of cool. You are getting in a, in a weird way an almost kind of avant-garde piece of music for the time. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So, you know, I mean, not avant-garde, like, you know, not avant-garde, like, no, like, uh, Lori, uh, what's her name? Lori Anderson or anything, yeah. right? Lori Anderson? Yeah, <laughs> not, not right. that kind of avant-garde, yeah. but like, you know, like like a little more, you know, it's not the yeah. classic movie soundtrack. It's, a little it's, different. it's going out on a limb, yeah. For sure. Yeah, so the music, I think, is, is great. Uh, definitely fits the movie, um, and especially mm -hmm. in that scene, like you said, with the metal music, uh, with the, the fight between Johnny Cage and Scorpion, because it's, it's very metal when he, especially at the end when he cuts the, <laughs> I think it's, he just has a skull for a face, Scorpion, and, and then Johnny Cage, like, cuts part of his head off with a what is it like a blade or something yeah that was Saw. crazy so i mean it doesn't get much yeah. more metal than that just you know flames shooting out of his mouth mm -hmm. and everything so shooting out of a um, skull and the set design too i mean another thing you like to yeah. talk about and the costumes actually the costumes are pretty good in this one yeah. um but yeah the set design especially in that we keep talking about it but that scorpion and, and johnny cage fight um it's just so cool and like what a cool unique set that is especially the second yeah. part of it with the the wooden platforms and everything um, just the mm -hmm. vibe of it. It's very cool. Very metal. <laughs> very yeah. grungy and dirty. Dusty, mm -hmm. sort of. Um, but yeah, really cool set design going on. Um, some cool costumes and stuff like that. And mostly pretty faithful, too, um, to the to the game yeah. series, especially the, the costumes. Um, 
and then I wanted to just mention a little bit the involvement of Ed Boon and John Tobias, who were the creators, uh, you know, behind the original game. Um, and before, like in our, our Street Fighter episode, we talked about the difference of studio involvement versus creator involvement, right? So um, now I'm sure the studio behind Mortal Kombat Midway, I'm sure they were uh, involved during this production, obviously. Um, but there's still likely a big difference between two actual creators from their blood, sweat, and tears. That, you know, they created this, this game series. Mm -hmm. I'm sure there's a difference between them being there and Capcom studio heads being on set or whatever or having meetings with filmmakers. Yeah. So I'm sure there was a yeah. little bit of a difference there. And I think maybe that's part of why this film works a little bit better as an adaptation. Mm -hmm. Possibly yeah. a little more. You know, I think there's a little bit more creativity, maybe uh, involved. Yeah. Well, you, you know that those those people are going to be deeply invested in making sure that it's like it's their not baby. just a marketable. Pro yeah, right. It's not just a marketable product. Mm -hmm. It's something that people are going to love. Right. Exactly. It's their baby, and they want to they want to make sure that yeah they yeah that the filmmakers do a good job with it. So, um, which clearly paid clearly paid off from a market marketing mm -hmm. standpoint long term because yeah. we're we you know I'm, I'm sure we'll get to it before the end but. We're, we've now already seen another Mortal Kombat yep. movie. <laughs> oh, yes, well, we a, few, will. <laughs> a few in this series, but yeah. then also a, a remake. So it's like, mm -hmm. you know, that that let that TLC that that care that they put into it mm -hmm. uh, tends to pay off when, when you when you really go in like that. You know, it, it's worth it. Well, you know, let's let's talk about it because let's. Um, so there was a sequel to this film. Now, mm -hmm. again, I'm a little biased because I did love this original film as a kid, um, and I think this one does probably hold up the best in terms of. A video game adaptation out of the ones mm -hmm. we talked about um i think it had the best handle on its or, like original ip i guess original material mm -hmm. um but there was a sequel that was made uh right after this i think it was maybe a year or two after called mortal kombat annihilation mm -hmm. um and now that so that <laughs> oh boy uh my recollections mm -hmm. of this one are not great uh, i remember my brothers and i again big fan of the series and, and of this original movie as a kid and we rented it brought it home and we were not too impressed i remember just being severely disappointed by it yeah uh, which was a shame because again we were big fans of the original one um so yeah disappointment to say the least um some of the cast returned from this film others uh die right <laughs> right at the beginning of the film spoiler mm -hmm. for mortal kombat annihilation um so you know how the ending of this original film Mortal Kombat they're they sort of set it up for the sequel right the, uh, I think it's Shao Kahn mm -hmm. or the big you know the big evil leader shows uh, emperor shows up um mm -hmm. and you know has the the voice from the guy from uh Inspector Gadget <laughs> who always mm -hmm. shows up in a lot of movies we talk about um but uh so obviously they're leading up to something right they're leading up to more fights more more of a tournament whatever um and so the, when the second film came, it was really a letdown. It was, I think, the actor who played Johnny Cage, he shows up in the second one, but only at the very beginning, and he gets killed in, like, the first scene, like, immediately. Mm -hmm. um, and yeah. then some, some other actors didn't show up again at all. I think it's a different actress for Sonya Blade. Um, the same actor for Liu Kang, I believe. But, uh, yeah, I think it was just, like, a lot more characters were thrown in. It was a lot more like the Street Fighter movie where they were sort of throwing characters in just to have them there, I think, and they weren't really handled that well, and it was just a lot a lot cornier, a lot more over-the-top in a bad way. Um, mm -hmm. It's pretty funny, though. I mean, if you, <laughs> if you want to laugh, uh, it's, it's, you know, it's decent for that. There's some good lines from that one um, you can find on YouTube as well. Um, and there was also, you know, there's been animated TV shows and films. Mm -hmm. There was even a, a couple of web series based on the characters for the game, um, somewhat inspired by this film as well. Um, that came out, I think it was like maybe mid-2000, something like that. Um, mm -hmm. 
And uh, so there was a, uh, as you mentioned, Jeremy, a very recent remake that came out, uh, 2021, of Mortal Kombat. And so this is, I guess, a reboot, you know, just starting over. Um, I was not a big fan of it. I, I checked it out because I was, I was actually a little excited. I was like, all right, you know, see what, see what they have in store. Um, but I think this, I think the remake forgot to feel like Mortal Kombat. Like to me, this '90s one, it just maybe because it's from the '90s. I don't know. Yeah. It, just, it just it felt like they got the feel of Mortal Kombat down. Um, if and also like the new one, it just forgot. It forgot to be fun it, to me. And and mm-hmm. and we talked about how in the fight scenes in this film, the original Mortal Kombat, you can you know you you can actually see what's happening and it feels like there's impact and all of that. But I, I felt like that was really lacking in the new one. Um, because you can barely tell what's going on in the fight scenes. There's no sense of space or anything like that. Mm-hmm. Um, and also, they, I think they tried to give it a more generic story and, and uh, a jokier tone and things like that, mm-hmm. while at the same time trying to make it darker and grittier. So it was kind of all over the place. Um, they even added like a new character, which, I mean, there's, there's like a million characters in Mortal Kombat. And I thought the ones uh, we, we focused on in this film, I thought they worked really well, you know, as being like the everyman characters, like the protagonist, mm-hmm. whatever bringing you into the film, but they actually created a new character in the movie and he's just very generic and very plain. And it's almost like, Mm -hmm. what was the point other than just to be like stand in for the audience, I guess. Um, You know, it's just when you have this wealth of characters to choose from, it just kind of blew my mind that they would create a new one. But, you know, at least, at least if you're going to do it, you know, make it a fun character. But, Mm -hmm. um, and so for example, I want to give one example. So when Goro, um, when Goro shows up in this film, the original one, I mean, his introduction in the original film versus the new one is, is could not be further apart because in the original, yeah. they build up his appearance. They like show his power. He's very intimidating and impressive. He's a presence, right? Um, and also, you know, the, the practical effects, true. I do prefer that to digital usually, but I think that's just part of the issue. But in the reboot, um, Goro does show up about halfway through, but what he does is literally out of nowhere. Like we talked about how characters disappear out of nowhere to fight. Like he mm-hmm. just he just comes out of nowhere. There's no buildup um, and no tension or anticipation. He's just there, and then he just gets killed. <laughs> it's like yeah. not impactful at all. Like the character just beats him, and that's and then he's gone. Uh, so yeah, it's weird. Um, but that's just one way that I felt like the remake sort of got it wrong. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I could go on about that. I have more notes, but I'll just skip over them. <laughs> it's just me ranting. It was like, and there's no Johnny Cage. Uh, yeah. They hint at the end of the film that he's going to show up in a future one, but uh, which did mm-hmm. get greenlit. They are making another Mortal Kombat film, and you know, I hope another. I hope it's good. You know, I, I don't want these movies yeah. to be bad. I just I was again, it was like a, a annihilation all over again. I was very disappointed. Yeah. It was quite a letdown, mm-hmm. but um, you know, a lot of people liked it, so um, they're making another one. Um, and there you go. Uh, but yeah, so again, it's uh, again, it's it's no <laughs> no surprise that I am a fan of this film. But Jeremy, it seemed like you uh, I mean, it's safe to say you enjoyed this film as well, uh, at least from an entertainment standpoint. Yeah, I definitely I definitely enjoyed this one. It was a mm-hmm. fun watch. Yeah, um, definitely. Yeah. If, if this if this is your vibe, definitely a movie that mm-hmm. I would recommend checking out. Yeah. Um, if, if you like good fight scenes, especially, like, yeah. you know, I, I know it's not for everyone, but if you're someone who just like really enjoys seeing hand to hand combat on screen, yeah. uh, this, this is, this is, this is a lot of fun. It's a good mm-hmm. way to spend an hour and a half. Exactly. Yeah. Um, and, um, the future of video game adaptations, I just want to briefly touch on that because again, we mentioned it in our first episode of the series, but Nintendo is making a new Mario brothers movie. It is happening mm-hmm. with Chris Pratt playing Mario for some reason. <laughs> um, <laughs> 
<laughs> which you know i like, again i have a feeling it will be quite different than the one that we yeah. talked about for the 90s um just a feeling just, maybe. A, I don't just know. a feeling i have well yeah. yeah i mean they might incorporate some elements from the one that we talked yeah, about just because it has become such a cult film um, yeah. but I think overall, you know, it's going to be a very clean looking, it's going to be very, you know, it's going to look like Mario, which is, it, mm-hmm. it should, you know, it should look like, yeah. Mario. um, but I, I still think there's a lot of charm to the nineties adaptation that we talked about. Um, and that one's pretty unique. Um, and I think, look, n- none of these films that we've talked about in this series, none of these were groundbreaking art films. No. You know, we've talked about some no. really great, like artistic, uh, achievements yeah. and experimental films and, and things like that. This these films are not that, um, no. but you know, and, and honestly, like to be completely honest, a lot of these were meant to be cash ins. I'm sure, if not all. Oh of yeah, them. totally, totally. <laughs> that was kind of their their point in existing. Um, but I think that's part of the reason why I think they are so interesting to look back on now and talk about, because it's interesting to me how ill received they were at the time when they came out, mm-hmm. and um, the fact that they have become cult films. Um, yeah. That, to me, is just very fascinating. Uh, there were a lot of odd decisions made with these films that we've discussed, Jeremy. Um, a lot of odd decisions. So I think, but I think ultimately that can make a unique film and, and a cult film, um, you know. And again, these 90s adaptations weren't always great. And it certainly had some issues, but um, some maybe more than others. But at the very least, uh, they have become cult films and interesting footnotes in the worlds of both video games and film. Mm-hmm. So, Jeremy, any yeah. last things to add about uh, video game adaptations from the 90s? Uh, not specifically, you know, like, like you said, like, like I think it's interesting seeing how they kind of predated the direction we were going in, in mm-hmm. popular film of this very uh, IP-driven yeah. kind of where thing we were where headed. it's less about... Right. Yeah, yeah, like, like in a way they were very ahead of our time and in mm-hmm. a way they were just perfectly of their time and in, probably in some ways they were kind of behind their time, you know, it's mm-hmm. like... Like they, they kind of yeah. ran the gamut. Um, <laughs> one last little note, just because I, you know, I love looking at it uh, for Mortal Kombat specifically. The poster. Just looking at the poster. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Cool I was poster. Wait, I was waiting for you to bring that up. Yeah. Yeah. Very actually, simple. A, a Very really simple, cool. But, yeah. Really cool poster for this one. Yeah. It's just this this kind of. Uh, it's a dragon, uh, right? Serpent, just a dragon serpent, serpent, dragon. Yeah, whatever. It, yeah. uh, and but what I am looking at, I'm seeing one here, which I can't verify if this is. An original 1995 poster. Yeah, it's, it's kind of Jap- hard to tell sometimes. Yeah, yeah. The, the, this is a Japanese version of the poster, uh, with this kind of very big, like gold lettering on it, mm-hmm. uh, which is awesome. I would wear that <laughs> on a T-shirt. There and you that's, go. It's it, like design-wise, it's just, a, <laughs> and it looked. It's a little more kind of matte. I'm sure you can um, find one on eBay. It might be a little expensive. Yeah, that's that's what it is. It, it's yeah. on eBay, so I'm guessing that's probably what it is. <laughs> oh, there you go. So if if you if you're a movie poster person, yeah. uh, this is a cool one. It looks like it maybe has something on the back too. Uh, very cool poster for this movie. Yeah, lots of cool imagery in this movie in general. Yeah, um, but that's gonna do it. That's gonna conclude our series on eight bit at Blockbuster, '90s video game film adaptations. Thank you for joining us, and we'll be back with a brand new series very soon. When? Well, we'll have to talk about it. We're not sure. But <laughs> <We'll see. laughs> soon. We'll be back. Soon. All right. Thanks for listening to Cult Movie Cult. You can find us on all the usual social media. And if you have any cult films you'd like to hear us discuss on the show at any future 
uh, series ideas also we are open to as always um, or if you'd like to officially join the cult be a guest on the show please feel free to reach out to us at cultmoviecult at gmail.com thank you for listening this has been Cult Movie Cult and until next time so long from the other side <laughs>